Hey guys, welcome to Dark Vale. We're your hosts, John and Tori. Dark Vale is a podcast that discusses the darker side of life. We are not professionals on any of the topics we discuss. We do as much research as we can, and we do try to be as accurate as possible. However, no one is perfect, and neither are we. Because we're discussing the darker side of things, this podcast is best listened to by a mature audience. So sit back and get ready to podcast and chill! Uh, we do have a Facebook page now, yep. and it is Dark Veil Podcast with John and Tori. Yep. And our email address is darkvalepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. Yep. So Hit us up. Yeah. And we love seeing all of the different places in the world that have tuned in. Uh, and listened to us. Yeah. And welcome to episode... Six. Yay! We're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Tori. And my name is John. And today we are here to talk about toilet paper. Yes. And the way it needs to roll off the top. Ah. And the way I don't care which way it's put on. The most important thing to me is the the kind of toilet paper. Yeah, I could see that too, though. But yeah, so why are we talking about that, you ask? Well, because our favorite podcast, Little Nerdy, was talking about just that and other things on Friday's podcast, which is their debate without hate, which they have once a month. It was a great one. I found it really interesting. They like to debate the little differences and nuances in their lives and other people's lives and the way they prefer things. And they do it in a loving, argumentative way. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. And on their regular programming, which is Tuesdays, They talk about anything from video games to movies to board games. Anime. Yes, and everything in between. And we think everyone should check it out. Yeah, it's a great one. You guys will like it. So what's our real topic today? Well, today we are doing separate stories. If we have enough time to get a couple in. But... Um, I did a story or facts or whatever about something that I actually find terrifying. <clears throat> Excuse me. The ocean. Oh. Because in, in all its beauty and all the pictures, um, it's what lurks beneath that's the terrifying part. Yeah, that's one of my biggest fears. Yeah. So I thought this would be a really good one. And the best part about it is everything that I have uh, searched up and looked up and stuff, Tori has no idea about. So it'll be really interesting to see your thoughts or hear your thoughts on some of these because I have 16 terrifying facts to make you rethink ever swimming in the ocean again. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... I guess, uh, starting at 16, the unknown oceans. Um, we know more about space than our own planet's oceans. Uh, scientists estimate that only about 5% of the Earth's oceans have been explored. We actually know more about the topography of Mars than our own oceans. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And that, I knew that the oceans are vastly unexplored. I definitely thought at this point in time, it was more than 5%. Yeah. But nothing I looked up gave me an answer that was more than 5%. So, I mean, it's an estimate. So maybe it is give or take a little bit, but, but still that's, that's crazy. Um, this, one of the reasons though, is the sea floor can't be mapped like moons and planets using radar as the water obstructs the radio waves from radar. 
Yeah. And we we have mapped a large por portion of the ocean floor, but only to roughly five kilometers in depth, which at best shows a rough approximation of undersea trenches and sea mounts and high re resolution images up to a depth of 100 meters. But that requires a series of sophisticated sonar techniques. I'd say a lot of problem is the cost involved and that deep sea exploration isn't the priority that space and space travel has been. Yeah, that makes sense. But to get, I didn't actually look up any of the costs for those really deep sea um, submarines because there's the Challenger, I think it's called, is one of the, the one that went into the Mariana Trench and um, Steven Spielberg went down into that one. But it's a ton of money to uh, organize something like that. Plus, you got to do it <clears throat> during good weather yeah. on the surface and, and that. So. so that one, I guess, maybe isn't so much terrifying. Not all these facts are terrifying. Just some of them are just facts, I guess, that it's interesting to know. Yeah. But uh, so one fact, though, that's terrifying uh, 15, the darkness, dark veil, if you will. <laughs> the ocean itself is divided up into abyssal zones based on the depth of the water. Uh, these zones all have their own unique biodiversity, pressure, and temperature. And since light can only penetrate about 330 feet of water, and the average depth of the ocean is 12,400 feet. Oh, yeah. Most of our planet is in constant darkness. And that's because 71% of the Earth's surface is covered in water. And 96% of that water is contained in its oceans. Ooh. <clears throat> Yikes, that's really crazy when you put it that way. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's one of the things that freaks me out about the ocean is one it's it's huge right there's so much of it yeah. but it's so deep it's <laughs> I don't know it's 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 terrifying to me it's you don't know what's below you and it's I mean 330 feet sounds like a lot but when you compare it to the average depth of the ocean that's not that deep before it gets pitch black yeah that's insanely scary to think of and also it wasn't too long ago i think we watched something on the discovery channel cha channel or some sort of animal planet thing where they had discovered a ton more of species of things that ha had previously never been discovered yeah from the ocean and stuff too like just randomly they'll pull out like 20 new ones because everything is so on chartered territory and stuff that they go somewhere else and just find all these other things i think yeah yeah exactly um i'll be talking about it a little bit later on too but one of the the things is um, like a giant squid. Yeah. You think of something that's, that's that big and, and that, that's rarely ever seen. Exactly. And then you think of all the crazy adaptations these little things must have, like all these different little creatures because. Oh yeah. There is some really, really crazy ones. This is why I'm really excited <laughs> about this one. Cause some of the. Like a lot of the mainstream aquatic life that we know about is, is is stuff that isn't super deep. Yeah. But some of the really deep sea life is is actual, like actually terrifying. So it's actually the things my nightmares are made of. Oh yeah. So my crazy imagination slash dreams at night aren't too far off from what is actually in there it's true oh. some of the things are i looked up some some of the pictures of some of this deep sea life and yeah i i 
I would be non-existent if I ran into some of these things. <laughs> uh, so for number 14, um, not the uh, most terrifying thing either, but uh, is the underwater mountains. So I think a lot of people think that the ocean floor is flat. And a reason for this could be in the name itself, the word floor alludes to flat. It's the surface we walk on daily. Yeah. However, the ocean floor has the longest mountain range on Earth. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so fact number 13 fits in with 14 a bit, so I didn't do too much on 14, but um, 13 is about how it's not just the vastness of the ocean, but it's actually deeper than you think. Um, few people have climbed Mount Everest, which is the highest point on Earth at 8,848 meters, or 8.8 .8 kilometers. And the depth of the Marianas Trench, which I was just mentioning about uh, the Challenger submarine, that's 11 kilometers, 11,000 meters. Oh. Yeah. And <clears throat> the Mariana Trench, its actual dimensions are... 255,000 meters long. Oh. So that's that's 2,550 kilometers by 69,000 meters wide. So 69 kilometers. So to put this into perspective for you, because I, I based everything off of where we live. Yeah. From Penhold, where we live... To Costco. Yeah. That's 9.2 kilometers. And it's about an 11 minute drive. So the drive from here to Costco still isn't as deep as the Marianas Trench. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. And. That is insanely large. Yeah. That's crazy. And I had to, I used Google Maps to figure this out because I, even myself, I wanted to know the actual perspective of it like how huge that was is that how deep yeah yeah so that's how deep um now the length yeah the length is comparable comparable to driving from here to arizona in the united states oh. with that drive being 2540 kilometers which is almost I mean, it's 10 kilometers shorter than the length of the Marianas Trench. That's 26 hours of straight driving. Oh, so that's that's more than just a couple days, basically, of driving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And last is the width at 69 kilometers. This would be like driving to Rimby with a distance of 62 kilometers, so not even quite the drive from here to Rimby is how wide open that is. Oh man. Yeah. So if you came to the edge of the Mariana Trench, yep. you might not see the other side. You just see a drop of darkness. Oh, that sounds disgustingly creepy. Yeah. <laughs> the thought just yeah. terrifies me. Oh, that's, I... that's chilling. Yeah. If you imagine, say, the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And just looking straight, right? Yep. You 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 looking straight and then all of a sudden it just drops off like it, that's got that giant cliffside. Yep. That's essentially what the Mariana Trench is. It's uh, like a giant chasm. Yes. That's <clears throat> I I couldn't find the words, but that's exactly the kind of idea yeah. that I had like is it yeah, is it just like in the mid lake is it just like there it is? Kind yeah. of, kind of, because you can't see it or whatever, really. But that's what I mean. Like, if it was lit up down there, would it look like a giant, crazy thing like the Grand Canyon or something else? So yeah, yeah. yeah essentially, that's exactly what it would look like. There's um, anybody that's listening that's curious as well. Uh, Google image Mariana Trench. There's some really good cross sectional 
uh, images. Yeah. Huge, huge and deep, basically. Yeah. Um, and cold. Um, it is about one to four degrees Celsius, like plus one to plus four. Uh, so that's about 34 to 39 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that's, that's chilling. No pun intended. <laughs> um, so on to fact 12. Um, deep is cold, but these could melt your skin off. Um, so this is just a short little blurb on hydrothermal vents on the ocean's floor. Um, so I don't know if you know what a hydrothermal vent is, but it's basically a, a tube of really hot, um, like steam and, uh, poisonous gas being emitted from like underwater volcanic activity. Okay. Is that like what the geysers are and stuff that you see? Essentially, yeah. It's kind of like Or at that. least it's, the same type of idea. Yeah, the same okay. idea, because it's geothermal, right? Yeah. Um, however, these ones um, release high temperatures, and the darkest plumes coming out of these are extremely high in sulfuric content. And these plumes can reach 18 stories in height in the ocean. Oh, yikes. So it's not really likely that you're actually going to be getting that close to one just by accident, but you wouldn't want to. What is a plume? A plume. So just like, say, imagine like a cloud of gas, gases, uh, smoke okay. coming out of like a stack off the ocean floor. Kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So kind of mixed in with 12 is 11. Um, bacteria can live everywhere. Um, on the topic of thermal vents, we have another reason to rethink the ocean. Uh, scientists have found an entirely unique ecosystem that thrives in the water surrounding these boiling hot deep sea vents. They found bacteria that can actually convert the toxic minerals that come out of these vents into usable forms of energy and provide food for other organisms, all without sunlight. Yeah, so it's almost like we're spending a lot of time thinking about what we can find in space and stuff when it just seems like there's some absolutely probably useful things we can study here, because that sounds like the craziest ecosystem ever. Right yeah. There. And the fact that it's the planet we live on and yeah. we know so little about the oceans. Like, I know, like, even on the surface, we're, scientists still make new discoveries of species and, and uh, like, ecosystems and stuff like that that, that plants and animals and insects are, are surviving in and have adapted. But the ocean is, uh, it's shocking to me that we aren't making it a bigger priority to find out what's living in the world with us. But part of it isn't shocking because I also know uh, governments and political things that like they money, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, back in the, the, back in the old days there, there was the space race and who could be the first one to get into space. And now they talk about colonizing a different planet and finding livable planets that are like Earth. And, and it's all very interesting stuff as well. But also mining yeah. off of comets and other planets and, you know, just getting more resources. So I see, I see why they're doing it. I just wish that more time and effort could be put into investigating the oceans because I think as humans and as scientists that are in the world, there's so much undiscovered that would be so interesting to know about. Yeah. And I think it also matters what part of the world these oceans are into. Oh, yeah. Because you wouldn't necessarily be able to just be like, ah, we're going to go study this part of the ocean without 
contacting foreign governments and other people that are using areas of the ocean for, like, transportation routes and fishing and whatever goes on, right? So, yeah. I mean, it might be hard to come up with the ideal um, situation to study in certain parts of the world, because I'm guessing different oceans in different parts of the world are vastly different and completely different adaptations have happened and ecosystems in different places. Right. But, um, yeah, so I get it. Like it, it's not as simple as just like grabbing your, your gear and going out for a dive. Right. But yeah, yeah, it is amazing how we haven't completely conquered discovering earth yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I hear you exactly. It's it's still surprising to think about it, for sure. So on to number 10, Monsters in the Dark. And I mention the word dark in a couple of these titles because the deep down darkness of the ocean is terrifying. Yeah, it's literally like looking into space at night. Like it's dark. Yeah, dark and it looks empty. Yeah. But are you alone? That's what's freaky. Why you gotta say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, you may think that due to the insane amounts of pressure in the deep ocean that creatures would be small or even mostly non-existent. Uh, the truth is far from that. The creatures that lurk in the dark depths of our oceans are mostly made of water themselves. Yeah. This means that they are buoyant and don't have to fight the gravity and pressure. This allows for monstrous growth. Yeah, I know that... Um, I don't know if it's certain... I don't know which certain types of animals it is, but, for example, like, they say if you put a snake in a cage, it will grow as big as its environment, and I feel like animals like that also... Um, there is no limit on their space. So yeah. that also feeds into it, right? Like some things grow very large because there's really no rules, especially in a place like that, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And as long as they have the food source, yeah, they can yeah. absolutely grow huge. And that's, that's one of the reasons that, because <clears throat> a lot of people believe that Megadon, Me Megalodon is still alive and it just lives in the deepest parts of the ocean, so we've never seen it yet. I know what that is, honey, but I think s some people who are listening might not know what you're talking about when you say that. So. Yeah, so the Megalodon is like uh, a, the biggest prehistoric shark. Like it's something that makes a large great... great <laughs> a large great white shark um like dwarfed to it so with the monstrous growth growth uh, a giant squid uh measures up to 59 feet oh. and that's from the point of its its head to the end of its long tentacle are you talking about something fictional you saw in a movie no this is actual this is something that is actually washed up on shore scientists have actual proof of giant squids and something else called the colossal squid oh and you'd be surprised by the names but colossal squid is still smaller than the giant squid oh. they're very very similar um the colossal squid uh, measures in at up to 46 feet, but slightly beaten out by the giant squid at 59 feet. Yeah. But what's terrifying about the colossal squid, from what I was reading, is the colossal squid... Squids have those, like, dangly tentacles, like like normal squids, right? But they have the two, like, bigger, long ones that are... Uh, I wish I knew the name for them, but they're more for like grabbing on the and being able to kind of wrap around things because yeah. what, what i wish i wish the listeners could see the creepy hand motions you're making <laughs> you just did like a a squid like bear hug <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I didn't like that i didn't like seeing that you know what they're uh one of the things giant squids like to attack and eat often is sperm whales 
and there's actual uh, documented photo evidence of the the suction marks oh, yeah. on the 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 sperm whales. But the colossal squids, they've got in those like longer hand tendrils. Uh, I'm not sure what the best thing to call them is, but anyway, they got hooks. No. And they can hook into the the flesh, but they also have a beak. The their hands do their no, tentacles. No, sorry, the oh. the colossal squids <laughs> like for a mouth. Oh, I was they, like, they have many little faces on <laughs> little their... pincher beaks on oh. their <laughs> no, um, but they do have for like a mouth. So, um, I know like octopuses have like a beak too. Yeah, and that, but. Um, I'm when I think of the colossal squid, so something that's measuring up to forty six feet, I'm picturing that this thing has got one hell of a beak on it. <laughs> yeah. And yes. I couldn't imagine seeing just the eye of one of these is gargantuan. And if you so say you're gonna take a trip in the Challenger, go nice and deep into the ocean. And you're looking out your little tiny window, <clears throat> and there's just a giant eyeball looking right back in at you. That is heart attack juice. Yeah. No, thank you. No. But yeah, so anyway, that's just a couple of good examples of the monstrous growth that actually happens that, that deep, right? <clears throat> So, one of the other things that's uh, terrifying about the ocean that's got some really good lore to it, and maybe even a future episode, is the Pacific Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, I absolutely love reading and learning about the Bermuda Triangle. I knew this one would pique your interest. Yeah. Um, so, the Bermuda Triangle is also known as the Devil's Triangle. It's a region in the western part of the North, North Atlantic Ocean uh, with points off the coast of Bermuda, Florida, and Puerto Rico that cover 1,300,000 to 3,900,000 square kilometers of ocean. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? It's huge. I had no idea it was that big. <clears throat> um, many ships and planes that have sunk and gone down in the triangle are associated to some sort of mysterious reason from aliens, magnetic fields, and even methane bubbles being released from the ocean floor. So those are all fun and exciting ways and lore to think about the Bermuda Triangle. A lot of the the stuff I was reading was saying how it was very sensationalized. Um, it was bad reporting, and there there was one one guy specifically that was uh, asked a lot more of the hard hitting questions, like a little bit more scientifically about it and that, but. Uh, basically the, the sad part is the, the most reasonable and scientific reason is that it actually doesn't even exist. I, I mean, there is, you could look at the, the pictures on Google and yet yeah, there's a triangle that you could form there, but there is actually no more documented plane crashes or shipwrecks in that area of ocean than anywhere else in the world in the oceans. And the Bermuda Triangle specifically actually sees a lot of commercial uh, freighters, like cargo ships, going through it daily. So... Yeah, but the Mandela effect, um, we... <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> it caused us to actually flip into a different parallel where it's nothing. But uh, in the world, in the universe that I was born in, no, it was magical, John. Yeah, I get it. No, I, know. I I'm taking the I'm taking the magic out <laughs> of it. <laughs> no, I I know you're right, actually. I wish, I do in a way wish it was very magical, and I'm still, like, I'd still have my apprehensions for sure going there. Yeah. Because 
what if it is actually real? Uh, science wants to say it's not, and there's no more documented things, but eh, how did only that one become a big deal in the world and no no other area that's really being talked about like that and sensationalized and stuff. Exactly. And I think we're all still wondering what happened to Amelia Earhart, so... Yeah, exactly. That's... I grew up knowing that the, the Bermuda Triangle is what swallowed her up. Yeah. <laughs> so, number eight is... Nightmare fuel lies in the dark. Why? Why you gotta name things creepy like that? Cause it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the deep depths of the ocean lies some of the scariest looking animals on Earth, and um, I'm gonna mention them, and then I would say if you really want to see some some scary things in the deep that. Could be under under you at any known time that you're in the middle of the ocean. Um, Google them up, because it is, I'm not kidding, it's nightmare fuel. Um, I know, honey, I was in the other, like the adjoining room while you were reading some of this stuff, and I just all of a sudden heard you talking to yourself, really, and I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I just looked at a creature, and I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> I didn't ask any other questions. Oh, just wait, though. The creature I was looking at, I, I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute here. Um, so I only listed two of the, the scary, menacing, deep-sea creatures, but there's, there's some really ugly ones and some really creepy-looking ones. Um, animals like the terrifying-looking deep-sea anglerfish, with the biggest of the species getting up to almost three and a half feet in length, menacing teeth, and a hinged jaw for maximum biting. Yikes. Um, so... They're, are they like a floating, like, like, bear trap mouth, and they're just ready to get you? Yeah, like, their bottom jaw swings, like, right open, but they have these really, really like almost glass looking thin teeth oh. and they're very they're fairly long and and very pointed like they uh, I, i'm not even sure how to describe them but they just look like the bite from them would be horrific are they like icicles or needles or? yeah that's almost what they look like is like a very thin sharp icicle yuck um and so for anybody that's not sure what an angler fish is, um, you know in Finding Nemo and uh, Dory and the other fish are swimming really like deep down and it's getting pretty dark and they see that the light. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, and you know. Uh, that fish that pops out, the very scary looking fish, yeah. that's an angler fish. He it has uh, a dangly little bioluminescent light that it uses to attract prey to it because it's in the pitch black darkness. So it sees this little light and little fishes swim up to him and he he just got to grab him real quick and he's got a meal. <laughs> I'm only laughing because he keeps making creepy hand gestures. <laughs> like, like that guy snatched it. Yeah. I'll do the play-by-play. -play. He... He snatched it. He got a snack. That he's snacking. He's snacking. <laughs> um, so these guys are living at a depth of at least two thousand milliliters, two thousand meters below the surface, absolute darkness. So they don't ever come up. Nope. Good. They don't need to. Uh, so another one that's very very eerie looking that lives down deep is the goblin shark. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the name kind of describes that one. Um, it's a species of deep sea shark with a lineage of about 125 million years old. Oh. Some scientists call this, uh, uh, I was going to say like a fossil shark. Now I can't even remember uh, the term I was going to use there. Um,
prehistoric shark. That's that's what it was. Um, so the goblin shark has an extremely protruding mouth and jaw that seemingly leaves its skull when it's attacking prey. Uh. So when you're in the other room and you've seen me talking to myself, yep. that's because I was watching a video of... I don't know what exactly the shark was biting. If it was like a guy that had protective uh, something on his arm. But the mouth sits like normal. But when it bites, it comes out. He's got an ejecting mouth. Yeah. it's What? They referred to it in the, the thing I was reading. Um... As almost being like, you know, in the Aliens movie? Yeah, that's They got what that second mouth. Ugh. Except it's just their first mouth. And and <laughs> I'll show you the video later, because it's like his <laughs> mouth leaves his head almost. Oh. And it's got, like, gnarled, like, teeth that are, like, almost, like, stick out, kind of. Uh, like, they're not just pointed straight up and down. Like, they, it almost looks like they kind of come out to the side a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, they have an elongated, flattened snout, nail-like teeth, and they're up to 13 feet in length. You'll find these guys around 330 feet deep or so. So about the point it's turning to, it's pitch black, like, um, so like I was saying, I recommend, uh, a quick Google image search for anyone out there, uh, wondering what these... And others look like there's there's some really ugly other ones. Uh, there's some that they're not terrifying looking. They just ugly like the blobfish. It it looks like just a like a sack of a jelly almost, but it's a fish. It's got a weird. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. You gotta check it out. I know there's a lot of ugly sea creatures that have like the creepy nose and like really weird teeth and stuff but they don't have ejecting mouths yeah this is the only one <laughs> and i've watched a ton of uh national geographic but this is the only one i've seen where the mouth seems to leave its head like even great whites when they bite their their uh teeth and jaw kind of yeah I you know what, what I, i'm not sure how to describe it but th yeah this one is completely bizarre and it's, that, it's like its mouth reaches out for the food. Yeah. Uh, why'd you... Why'd you do that? Why'd you make that hand gesture? I got chills. They're multiplying, honey. See? This is exactly... This is scary stuff. <sighs> so, number seven deals with underwater currents. They suck. Haha, that doesn't sound scary. Just kidding. <laughs> well... The thing is, if you somehow found yourself below, oh, I don't know, a mere thousand feet in the ocean, then you'd really want to watch for the possibility of deep sea ocean currents. These currents are driven by water density and temperature gradients. Basically, different temperatures of the water and the saltiness of the water uh, mixing. Oh. That creates underwater um, currents. Uh, Earthquakes and storms can also affect these, and these currents can create uh, currents that run horizontal and vertical. Oh, so <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not just gonna maybe push you off to the side or pull you off to the side. It it could actually just pull you right down. Oh. Now, oh. <laughs> is anybody swimming around a thousand feet deep? No. So it's not really anything that's going to be too worrisome to the average human, I would say. Um, but these, it's very interesting, I thought. And these, these currents can be up to 16 times stronger than all the rivers in the world combined. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. The way you looked over at me. <laughs> <laughs> that blew my mind when I read that. That's, um, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. That is just a good illustration right there of absolutely how powerful the earth is and 
we are just a small grain of sand in a beach of things like yeah it exactly exactly um though if so that's like i was saying humans aren't really going to be a thousand feet deep just swimming around at all um if you end up this deep you're likely dead yeah uh the real danger for humans lies in rip currents so rip currents are powerful narrow channels of fast moving water fell mostly along the shores of the east gulf and west coasts of the u.s and they're not the easiest to see now these happen on the surface um you can see them but you really have to be looking you you'll likely notice a narrow trail of wave headed the opposite direction of the waves coming into shore okay yeah yeah um these riptides these riptides uh they pull you out to sea at speeds of up to eight feet per second god damn <laughs> that's fast eight feet per second yeah. yeah like you're not swimming out of that that is faster. maybe you can then my cat like speed and reflexes. Oh yeah, you really gotta be paddling. Uh, rip, rip currents uh, form due to winds and breaking waves pushing surface water towards land. And this causes a slight rise in the water levels along the shore. So the excess water uh, then flows back to the open sea along the path of least resistance. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's, and I've heard of, riptides and shows but i never really had a understanding of what they were yeah so it was really interesting to read about that one yeah exactly the the term is familiar i just never 100 percent knew exactly what it meant but yeah that makes sense yeah i feel like i've seen it or heard about it in shows where there's like surfers yeah. and stuff and they're talking about some of the hazards of the water and <laughs> uh so so now number six title for this it's just a little crush <laughs> okay <laughs> so if you still find yourself wanting to venture into the ocean and its depths you'll want to be careful of the crushing pressure oh yeah i just want to make a note one of the main reasons why i'm absolutely terrified of the ocean is a movie that I watched when I was a kid, and it was called Deep Star Six, I think. Oh, I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. A lot of the misconception is that they just drag you under the water, but uh, what they actually do is they drag you out to sea. Oh, what? so. So this brings us to number six. It's just a little crush. So if you still find yourself wanting to venture into the ocean and its depths, you'll want to be careful about the crushing pressure. Oh man, the pressure is part of the reason why the ocean has always terrified me. Because when I was a kid, I watched a movie called Deep Star Six and that movie as has actually haunted my dreams throughout my life like it's been peppered with nightmares because of that movie oh really that was a yeah. good movie i remember that one and some pretty violent deaths in that one yeah and the pressure of being down there yep the you'll get to it about the crushing pressure or whatever but um people died from just trying to go back up too fast and you, things like that. And I was horrified. The truth is, um, every 10 meters deep you swim, there is an increase of 14 and a half PSI. So pounds per square inch on your body. Um, at 61 meters or about 200 feet, <clears throat> you're looking at about 104 PSI on your body. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, and the real dangers of the pressure lie in diving deep and coming up too fast. Yeah. Right. So, 
divers that go down deep and come up too fast can get something called the bends or decompression sickness. And this happens when diving deep and surf surfacing too quickly, uh, nitrogen bubbles start to form in the blood and tissues. And this is a gas that's used in uh, the mixing of the air tanks for yeah. divers. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, but uh, de decompression sickness, uh, if you do come up too fast, you go in a hyperbaric chamber and it uh, puts pressure on you and then your body normally gets rid of the 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 bubbles in it like they just kind of dissipate yeah and then you you're healthy and you're fine um for those that don't do hyperbaric chamber or or what have you they don't fix the the decompression sickness uh they can have heart attack uh strokes ruptured blood vessels in their lungs joint pain so it's a fairly serious thing and there is one i read on there where the guy dove deep enough that to come up to the surface he had it took him five hours to get to the surface to slowly decompress as he was coming up he had gone so deep oh wow and so an another big issue that divers would have to take consideration of is the amount of air they have yeah. oh yeah and how deep they're going are they gonna have enough air to be able to decompress slowly and get to the surface. Um, so, so with those, essentially those breaks they're taking coming to the surface, um, they have to do it slower than 30 feet a minute to allow these gases to eliminate from the body. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a pretty slow process, but necessary too but to go along with um nitrogen in the body um we hit number five raptures of the deep nitrogen narcosis sounds horrifying right well that's because it is uh nitrogen narcosis aka also known as raptures of the deep is when a diver breathes partial concentrations of nitrogen at deeper depths and causes more nitrogen to be absorbed into the bloodstream. And this can cause an intoxicated effect and seriously impair the judgment of a diver as well as being able to cause hallucinations. Eh, that sounds like uh, a good time. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. Something to go along with the underwater intoxicating party is uh, a coma even <clears throat> so the scary part of it is i mean the ocean it's scary enough on its own but to reach a point where you could actually start hallucinating things that are happening um hearing voices yeah that's just like something that would be unbelievably terrifying to go with it yeah it's like psychologically damaging as well as physically damaging yeah exactly so number four is about uh something everybody's heard of jellyfish yeah <clears throat> they're actually really pretty looking creatures but uh some of the deadliest things in the ocean look the most innocent and beautiful. Take, for example, box jellyfish. Box jellyfish um, are not a large jellyfish. They're, um, I don't know, maybe, what is that, six to eight, eight inches yeah. around for their kind of their head thing. Um, but uh, these guys account for approximately 6,000 deaths a year. Oh, that's fairly high. Yeah. And then I, I mean, if you think of the grand scheme of things and the amount of people in the world, that's not that much. But that's still a lot of people dying at the tentacles of a jellyfish. I'm certain that's more than what actually died from, like, a shark attack. Yeah, definitely. 
But one of the reasons this is, is because once a month, exactly 8 to 10 days after a full moon, these jellyfish approach the coastline by the thousands to oh. spawn. So you might just be swimming around, and all of a sudden, you are just surrounded by these jellyfish. Oh. They are just everywhere that you're looking. And there is an actual video that when I was looking this up, I wish we could show our listeners, but have a look for it yourselves because there is an actual video of a guy and it looked like it was nighttime and they're shining almost like a spotlight on him from a boat. Yeah. And he's in the water. I didn't watch the video. Like it just plays that little quick clip if you ho hover the mouse on it. Oh yeah. But he's like talking to the people on the boat and there is like jellyfish all around him. And it's at night. And these are, these jellyfish, um, approaching the coastline by the thousands, just one of these is capable of killing a human. Uh, the Australian box jellyfish is considered the most venomous marine animal. I am not surprised because it had Australian in front. <laughs> It's true. Everything in Australia is trying to get you. <laughs> I've seen the size of the spiders down there in, in videos and pictures, and that is on-land nightmare fuel. Even though Australia is beautiful, and I actually would go there if I had the chance. Yeah, it does look very beautiful. Um, it's just the creatures scare the hell out of me. Yeah, we'll just fly in. We will... Um... See whatever we can see out of the windows of the airport, and then we'll go back. Yeah, because if we get off the plane, every single person that sees me is going to be laughing because I'd be running from everything. Yeah, I'd be protecting and you'd be running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with that being considered, another one of the really well-known, I think it's fairly well-known anyway, uh, jellyfish. Um, that's fairly dangerous, is one called the Portuguese Man-of-War. It's got an interesting name, right? Yeah. Well, it gets its name from its gas-filled bladder that sits above the water, and it resembles an old warship at full sail. That's, that's how it got its name. That sounds very strange. I don't know what you're talking about. You said it's common? Yeah, it's... Well, I wouldn't say it's common, but I... It's a fairly well-known one, oh. but maybe not as well-known as I'm I'm thinking it is. But it is very identifiable. Oh, okay. Like, once you see it once, I've never seen one in real life, but once you see even just a picture of it, yeah. on any show you ever watch, National Geographic, you'll be like, ah, that's a <laughs> Portuguese man war right there. <laughs> um, they have thin tendrils. And these tendrils can extend 165 feet below the surface. Oh, that made my stomach drop. That's... what? Yeah. So you think something thin, long, and dangling in the ocean? Like, you're getting wrapped up in that, trying to get it off you. And they got little barbs, right? And, like, little stingers. This is what uh, causes the sting of uh, jellyfish. So are you saying that the... That creatures in the ocean that often get fished are now fishing other things. Oh yeah, jellyfish be fishing. Like dropping some crazy hooks down and seeing what you catch. That's exactly it. Yikes! They they drop their well, they got their uh, tendrils hanging down, and fish swim into that, and then they a lot of like so the the box jellyfish is got a neurotoxin in it yeah. so it paralyzes the fish and then it's got its food right yeah um i believe the portuguese man war is the same it's just not as strong um because the sting of a portuguese man war is excruciatingly painful it is rarely deadly yeah i can't imagine how any of these things feel like like to get stung by something oh, like that. Oh yeah. I can only really think about how I've been stung by a bee before. That's about the worst sting I've had. Yeah. Like, yeah. Same here. I got. I got. I've been stung by a hornet once, and that's good enough. I don't need any more stings in my life. That's. <laughs> I'm done with them. Um. So. 
one thing. So this we're on to number three now. Um, swimming with the dead. This one uh, was kind of interesting too because I think no, nobody really thinks about it. You're just in the ocean, and you're you might not even be thinking about the creatures that are in there with you. But over the years, there have been many planes that have gone down, many ships that have sunk, and many of those have been uh, many of the people aboard these ships and planes. Uh, they've been lost to a watery grave. Oh, to all of time, like. Some of these have sunk so deep, they're not retrievable. Just bodies in the ocean. Um, and if you thought swimming or diving and the possibility of seeing a spirit of someone long dead doesn't freak you out, then let me paint you a picture. I have literally never thought of there being some... Ah, okay. Uh, I've never <laughs> thought of it either until I had read this and I was like, oh... There's something you don't ever think about. Uh, I, guess, I do now. I guess the odd time I've had ridiculous things like pirate ghost ships and stuff, but I never thought about just some dudes hanging inside the water as ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's... Or the bones of all these people, like, laying on the ocean floor. Exactly. And you just... So, you think about... Uh... Like hauntings in houses and stuff, uh, yeah. spirits with unfinished business, and sometimes it's a, a spirit's haunting something because of a terrible way it died. But why does that just go for houses? I know, really, we never ever, I don't think I've ever heard of a, a ghost story underwater. No. But really, why couldn't there be? With so many dead in the oceans... And you think over the years, like, back when sailing ships was all there was to get across the yeah, oceans yeah. And, and stuff, um, how many of those went down? How many battles? How much violence? You know, how many people died in a horrible, horrible manner? That You'd figure there'd be some sort of unrested spirits floating around and swimming around, but... Imagine you're scuba diving, and you got some beautiful scenery, you got some nice tropical fish, and you're just not really thinking about anything else. You're just enjoying your time, and you hear like a deep hum. You don't know where it came from. A little whisper in your ear. You start getting freaked out because all you're seeing while you're down there is fish and water as far as you can see you don't know what could be there and you're turning around and you're looking and you turn and you're face to face with just a spirit right there why <laughs> why man I, so this is why you seen me doing a lot and talking to myself while i was writing this up because i kept thinking about the like this uh the wall well, the one was the the goblin shark there, but this one I was thinking about too, and I was just like, man, that would be terrifying. Yeah, that would be. I wonder if people are seeing ghosts or spirits out there, and they're thinking it's mermaids. You never know. know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just a, a gross, a grotesquely rotted spirit just staring at you. Um, Why? grotesquely rotted why do you have to say it like that because that's how i picture it oh i don't like that one picture it being like a really old pirate like skeleton spirit just got <laughs> a couple of empty eye sockets just staring at you you made i don't know how you did it but while you were saying that your eyes looked hollow <laughs> <laughs> you looked I'm, I'm embodying the look um, so if nothing got you yet, then we're on to number two, because the bacteria might. This is something that I also blew my mind, and I'm not a big germaphobe, and this doesn't make me a germaphobe, but I just, interesting fact that I had no clue. Uh, so in a single liter of seawater, there is about one 
billion bacteria. Ten billion viruses. Oh, what? In one liter of seawater. Uh, and just a few of the viruses that could be in there. MRSA, MRSA, hepatitis, Legionnaire's disease. And that's just the, the three that I was like, ooh. <laughs> but uh, there there is a bunch, right? So how about uh, this one? Vibrio vulnificus. Uh, isn't that the hairy elephant guy off Sesame Street? <laughs> Snuffleupagus? Snuffleupagus, yeah. Um, no, this is actually a type of flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, that's far worse. Yeah, and it's something that's actually becoming more common in the States with uh, uh, global sea temperatures rising because it likes warm water. Um, and so even with it becoming more present, it's still fairly rare. Um, but one of the actual possible ways to get this that I think a lot of people don't know about is raw oysters. Oh, we're safe then. Yeah, I don't like them either. There, I, I'm guessing there's a huge population of people that that are consuming them, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> but that's, that's one way to, to get them. Oysters from warm waters that might have had some bacteria, and you just slurp one of those guys down. But yeah, so on to the very final one. Number one. So you decided that the, the water's too risky and you're going to take a boat to be safe. Well, I guess you didn't think about how quickly things can go south while boating when the weather changes. And it can happen quicker than you can get somewhere safe. As the winds begin to generate waves, the winds have a greater distance to push water in the open sea. Right? There's not buildings, trees, there's not things blocking the wind. Yep. So when you get a a good strong wind across the ocean, it starts generating the waves. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And you end up getting swells, which is basically just even height waves. But they'll cause you to really, oh, yeah. really up and down, right? Um. These large swells of fast-moving water can easily flip a boat, especially of an unexperienced captain, and especially depending on the size of boat you got. Um, a little yacht isn't going to stand too much chance to some really big swells and some big waves, but a big freight liner, it's got a lot more weight, right? Um, but really, what would be more terrifying than having your nice expensive yacht capsize and then sink before you were able to radio for any help and you're stuck bobbing in the middle of the ocean with no hope of rescue, seeing nothing but water all around you and not knowing what's below, below you. Yeah, I actually, that is horribly terrifying. You're the, right. The thought alone of that. Makes me feel slightly anxious. If something happened to our boat, I would let you on the piece of wood with me, honey. Ah, uh, yes, see? <laughs> you won't end like Jack. That's good, because that, uh, that was a bit ridiculous that he just decided to stay in the water and slowly freeze to death. <laughs> However, once we're on that piece of wood, if something just jumps out and eats the whole thing and goes back to, into the ocean then we got really no other plan. No. No. We're uh, likely to get wrapped up by a colossal squid. Yeah, or we might just die from dehydration in the sun. Or... Yeah, there's a lot of really terrifying ways to die if you are stranded out in the middle of the ocean somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. But that... That's my 16 terrifying ocean facts to make you rethink ever swimming in the ocean again. 
and I I got so I say my facts. They're they're not all my facts. I just researched facts. Um, I got a lot of these facts from a website called factinate.com. Um, it was a great a great website had uh, a great amount of information, and the rest of it was just uh, Wikipedia mostly. Yeah, yeah, and just general. Yeah. Uh, yeah, things that you kind of put together. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. That, that was really good. I enjoyed that. I wasn't expecting um, it to be about the ocean, which was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrifying thing. Yeah. Vastness of the ocean. And I know we kind of talked about the vastness of the ocean in our very first episode ever, but it's, it's terrifying all the time. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for people who live their lives out on sea, like fishermen. And I guess that I know they don't live out there, but they spend a large chunk oh, of their yeah. lives out there. And, you know, there are some people that live on boats yep. and only go to shore for supplies and stuff too. So, um, a lot of respect for those people because that's beautiful yet deadly. Yeah. I gotta, I like to keep my feet just on land. Yeah. I do enjoy looking at the ocean. Oh, yeah. When I went to Cuba, I definitely spent some time in the ocean and stuff. But Yeah, and I, I've i never actually even seen an ocean yet at this point in my life, but I would definitely uh, venture into the ocean. But Oh, we're going. I'm we doing are... it like, like a little baby. Like I'm getting in there about waist deep and I'm calling her good because there's... There's too many unknowns. Yeah. Um, we are going on a vacation. Yes. In the next be. couple of years because we need one. <laughs> we need one. Um, but there is nothing, for me at least, because my two biggest fears are the ocean and flying. Yeah, me too. And there was absolutely nothing like rolling into Cuba and looking out the window and seeing nothing but the ocean. And then it seemed like... The airplane was landing on something as wide as our trailer. <laughs> I was like, how are they going to hit land? Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but my yeah, brain yeah. sensationalized everything. Oh, yeah. But my brain's going to do the same thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. We hope you guys really enjoyed. And we hope you will be back next Monday to hear uh, Tori's choice. Yeah. And join us for... Another round of Podcast, Podcast and Chill! And chill.